Hello and welcome to the Archbishop's Corner. This is where we meet each week to talk with Hartford Archbishop Leonard Blair about faith, morals, the life of the church today, and how the gospel makes sense in an ever-changing world. This is where we go to find the answers to our lingering questions about the teachings of the church, living the faith life of a Catholic in contemporary society, and developing a stronger relationship with God. I'm Father John Gatzak, with many questions that you and I will ask Archbishop Blair as he responds to what matters to you in the Archbishop's Corner. There is a simple procedure that you probably learned in kindergarten that will serve you well today. This procedure taught you what to do if your clothes caught on fire. It consists of three simple steps. Stop, drop, roll. When there is a fire in your life, a problem that you have been unable to stop the spread of, do not try to fight it on your own. Don't run for the roofs. Don't try to fill a bucket or pry the extinguisher off the wall. Stop. Stop all movement. Stop all your attempts to fix it or make it better. Stop and then drop. Drop your defenses. Drop your excuses. Drop all plans. Drop the need to know anything. Drop the need to do anything. Stop and drop to your knees. On your knees in prayer is the position you must assume if you want the fire marshal to put the fire out. God is the fire marshal. And when you roll the situation over into God's hands, you can rest assured that help is on the way. There are some fires in your life that you simply cannot put out. These are the stop, drop, and roll over to God problems. These problems are like fires that will spread unless you do something quick. In the Archbishop's Corner is where Archbishop Leonard Blair will encourage you to stop, drop, and roll your problems over to God. In faith and with faith, you will not get burned. So thank you, Archbishop Blair, for sharing some time with us in the Archbishop's Corner. How are you today? Very well, thank you. Well, today is the first day of spring, and it's also International Day of Happiness and the start of Act Happy Week. Smiling and focusing on things that make you happy will improve your health as well as your mood. Do you tell really me, believe that? Well, that's what they tell us. And I think oh. to a certain extent it works. You know? Yes, it does, I suppose. What are some of the things that make you happy? I mean, most well, people I, don't get to ask their archbishop a question like that. So let well, me you, ask you. You don't mind my being disrespectful when I laugh at some of these days you find the national or international day of this or that. No, but they're all very worthy uh, things, you know, to try to promote. Um, I think, uh, you know, if a person is not at peace with God and themselves, uh, they're not going to be so happy about other things. I think, you know, Jesus said that that He will give us a, a joy that no one can take from us, and uh, the world's a pretty rough place uh, these days, not only about wars abroad and Ukraine and such, but even in our own society and uh, all the problems from COVID and the economy and all kinds of things. But you have to have that that gift of, of peace and joy that Christ gives us from within. So, you know, sometimes people have been very happy-go-lucky, but inside they can, they can be really suffering. Uh, so anyway, I, I don't mean to cast a pall on your happy day, but uh, uh, I... I, I know you would agree with me that that uh, true happiness and, and joy is sustained by uh, a spiritual life and by a life of relationship with God. Absolutely. I, I certainly agree. No matter how much the sun may shine on the outside, if on the inside you're not at peace with God, there ain't going to be no happiness in your life. I don't think so. Not, at least not anything lasting. You know, yeah. sometimes people chase after money, power, pleasure, sex, all this stuff, uh, or their own, do, you know, I did it my way kind of life. But in the end, the, it's the most fundamental things of life that really give joy, uh, you know, in, in a vocation God gives us, including marriage or celibacy and in, in our relationship with other people. 
Tomorrow is Single Parents Day, and it's a day to celebrate those brave people that do it on their own and in many cases without a safety net. According to the latest U.S. Census, nearly a quarter of children in the United States are being raised in single-parent homes, and the majority of those are single-mother families. Does that surprise you, Archbishop? No, I think in one of my uh, columns that I wrote for one of the magazines or newspapers, I cited a statistic about that. And I don't want to exaggerate because, you know, in my old age, my memory is not as good good as it should be. But I think it it said that the United States had the the most uh, of that phenomenon of any country in the world of of children living in, uh, you know, single parent uh, families. They say 10 million, uh, 10 million mothers in the United States, half, well, of whom, half of whom are divorced. Well, that's the thing. If you have no-fault divorce and you have the kind of uh, uh, sexual mores and uh, that we are uh, uh, espousing in this country, I'm not surprised that there is so much uh, of this. And of course, I'm not saying that there aren't situations where people don't have to separate for their own protection or, or mental uh, and spiritual well-being. But that's very different than, than, than the situation where people can just easily walk away without any consequences, you know, except the consequences that are on the children and, and, uh, and others. Friday of this up-and-coming week, we commemorate the day that the angel Gabriel announced to the Virgin Mary that she would conceive and give birth to the Son of God. The Feast of the Annunciation of the Lord focuses on the incarnation. God has become one of us. In the Annunciation, God gave Mary her vocation as the mother of God. Like Mary, how can we, Archbishop, embrace God's mission in our own lives, particularly in our vocation? Well, let me start off by saying that, you know, the Annunciation, which is a great subject of art in the Western world, you know, the angel appearing to Mary, focuses on Mary, and rightly so. But the actual Feast of the Annunciation is a a feast of our Lord in this sense that it's about the incarnation of the Word. You know, that Mary's acceptance of the angel's message meant that the the eternal uh, Word of God, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, became incarnate in the womb of the Virgin Mary. So it's a profoundly Christological Christ feast, but it's joined to the the acceptance, uh, the free submission of, of, of Mary to God's will, uh, that that she should become the mother of the Savior. It's a crucial thing. It, it's, you see, God doesn't force himself upon us, but it, 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 it involves our human consent that, that, you know, Mary is the new Eve, just as the first Eve uh, gave into temptation and rebelled against the will of God. Mary is the new Eve of the new creation in which she says, let it be done to me according to your word. And this is transformative of the whole world. Uh, so it's a magnificent feast day. It comes in the middle of Lent uh, because it's nine months to the day before December 25th when we observe Christ's uh, birth. Uh, but it's, a, it's, it's not a day of Lent, but it's its own feast. And I might add that uh, this year it takes on a huge significance because uh, Pope Francis has said that on that day at uh, 5 o'clock in the afternoon in Rome, he is going to consecrate Russia and Ukraine to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And he's asked all the bishops of the world to join him, preferably at that time, which in Hartford on March 25th will be noon. Uh, And I am organizing a mass uh, and consecration prayer in union with the Pope at noon on that day, March the 25th. So uh, we're going to get... this will take place at the cathedral? Yes, and we're going to get the word out 
as soon as we, we can, uh, this is a, a, a Friday, Friday, March 25th. We're going to, uh, I hope that we have a cathedral packed because this is prompted by the atrocities and the, the injustices and violence that's being perpetrated on uh, Ukraine by Russia. The origin of this prayer, of this idea of consecration, goes back to Fatima in 1917, where the Blessed Mother asked that Russia be consecrated. Now imagine, 1917 mm. was the eve of the Bolshevik uh, uh, communist Marxist government in, in, in what had been Tsarist Russia. And Our Lady spoke about these things, about errors being perpetrated throughout the world. Various popes, including Pope John Paul, have made it clear that this consecration has been done. Uh, it's been repeated a number of times, but given this uh, situation of uh, the Russian viol violence against Ukraine right now, uh, the Holy Father thought that it was very important to, to renew this consecration, and I'm more than happy, I'm eager as a bishop to be joined by as many of our clergy and people and religious as possible to, to do this. I heard uh, that the Ukrainian bishops themselves have asked Pope Francis to renew this consecration. Yes, correct? they have. And so we really have to plead with the Mother of God, who is our Queen of Peace. Uh, you know, and especially when you, when, you, when you look, I would encourage our listeners, do some looking into uh, the apparitions at Fatima in 1917 and all those things that were, were, were said there. We don't have time to get into all that on a program like this, but there are many resources, very good resources available, sound ones, you know, some, not some kind of fringe things that, that some people indulge in, but those things that the Church herself has uh, recognized, you know, uh, the Holy See, when he was still a cardinal, uh, Pope Benedict, as Cardinal Ratzinger, wrote a beautiful commentary on this. There was a, a, a publication from the, from the Vatican at that time. But in the meantime, I would ask, we don't have to wait till March 25th. I would urge all of our listeners to please pray to God, invoking the intercession of the Blessed Mother, that these attacks be repelled, and to pray not only for the Ukrainian people, but to pray for the Russian people. Because, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of people in Russia who do not approve of this at all. And uh, we have to try to, uh, you know, Jesus said, uh, uh, love your enemies, pray for, the, pray for your enemies, love everyone, uh, even those who do evil to you. So we need to keep that in mind. There's no room for hatred here. It has to be uh, commending all of this to God. So again, this mass and special consecration of Ukraine and Russia to the Blessed Virgin is going to be taking place on Friday the 25th, on the Feast of the Annunciation, 12 noon at the Cathedral of St. Joseph in Hartford, where this Mass will take place with our Archbishop Blair. If people can't get to that Mass at that time, Archbishop, what would you recommend they do? Well, we will, uh, hopefully, I don't have all the stuff yet, but we will publish as widely as we can on our Archdiocese website or even to our parishes, if, uh, if that's possible, uh, some, uh, some prayers that can be said. But, you know, some of the best prayers are those that come in our own words from the heart. Mm -hmm. So, uh, offer this prayer uh, of consecration to God, uh, consecrating Russia and Ukraine uh, to God's providence uh, through the intercession of, of Mary, the Queen of Peace, and Our Lady of Fatima. And if I may, too, you know, I, it's spiritual but also material. I have uh, on our Archdiocesan website, we posted the Knights of Columbus Relief Fund for Ukraine. 
And I would encourage people to make donations. I have tried to make a very generous donation uh, for relief. The Knights, you know, have members in Ukraine. There are Knights of Columbus councils in Ukraine. And I'm sure that the Knights have a way of of getting this aid to people uh, in a good way. But there are many others, Catholic and non-Catholic, and I would encourage the generosity of our people to help in whatever way they can. Absolutely. And you know, one of our priests, I won't say his name because maybe he would prefer I not, but his family is in Poland, and his parents have opened up their home. I think he told me now they have seven Ukrainian people living in their little house, giving them housing out of the charity, the goodness of their hearts. You know, how many people are like, would be that generous? I'd like to think that I would be, but, you know, the, the refugees are pouring into Poland in the millions, and the Polish people and other countries there too, but particularly Poland, are just going out of their way, not just through money or but or the government, but personally to take these people in and to care for them. And that is so, there is a lot of goodness in the world, and there are a lot of blessings to many people for the good they're doing in this tra- tragic situation. I heard the same thing as well. Rather than set up refugee camps in Poland, people, ordinary, everyday people, are opening up their private homes and welcoming these refugees to live with them. What an amazing act of charity and love. Yes, I heard another story of a man who drove all the way from Warsaw to the border to invite people to come back with him to his home, and he would give them a room. Incredible. Again, we will have the address of the Knights of Columbus on our website, uh, wjmj.org, so that uh, we can make a a donation that will uh, be funneled through the Knights of Columbus right to the people of Ukraine who need help the most. And, you know, there's also Catholic Relief Services, Catholic Charities USA. I think that they're involved in doing this as well. I'm sure they are. Uh, but so there are a lot of good websites that, uh, you know, and, and places that you can turn to to, uh, to to make a good donation. Beautiful. Let's now take a look, Archbishop, at the road to happiness in life. And this is where we examine the wisdom of Pope Francis, drawn from some of the Pope's writings. I'll read a short portion of the Holy Father's address, and then we'll ask you to comment with your own thoughts. And this is taken from Pope Francis's message for Lent 2022, and it's called Let Us Not Grow Tired. In the previous two weeks, we've taken parts of that message. This is the third and final part in our series. The Pope says, Let us not grow tired of doing good in active charity toward our neighbors. Let us take special advantage of this Lenten season to care for those close to us and to reach out to our brothers and sisters who lie wounded along the path of life. Lent is a favorable time to seek out and not to avoid those in need, to reach out and not to ignore those who need a sympathetic ear and a good word, to visit and not to abandon those who are lonely. Let us put into practice our call to do good to all and take time to love the poor and needy, those abandoned and rejected, those discriminated against and marginalized. The soil is prepared by fasting, watered by prayer, and enriched by charity. Let us believe firmly that if we do not give up, We shall reap our harvest in due time, and that, with the gift of perseverance, we shall obtain what was promised. How appropriate, Archbishop, your thoughts. Yes, well, I think here particularly uh, it's good to, um, in light of our conversation up till now about uh, charitable assistance to situations like Ukraine, and of course there are many more, too, uh, closer to home, and the things we do in our own archdiocese to help uh, the needy and the, and the poor. But very often, you know, we talk about time, talent, and treasure, that those are things we should give. And I suppose a lot of us uh, try to be generous with our treasure, but what about time and talent? And I think the Pope here is talking about that. 
uh, about people who are in need of a sympathetic ear and a good word or a visit or feel mm-hmm. abandoned and lonely. You know, sometimes the hardest uh, thing for us to be generous with is our time um, and, and our, ourselves, you know, uh, so to, to be patient, to listen patiently to someone who's having troubles or in need. So it's not just during Lent about writing a check uh, or throwing in some money into a collection, as important as that is. But this this active t- charity toward our neighbor is what the Pope's talking about, active. Time we spend with in doing that, you know, uh, will we'll, we'll not go without its its reward. So I would just encourage myself to begin with and all of us to, to, to do that. Well put. Archbishop, let's look at our gospel lesson for today. On this Sunday, when we look at Luke's Gospel, the 13th chapter, and after the Gospel is presented in dramatic fashion, we'll talk with you and ask for your thoughts. There were some present at that very time who told Jesus of the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered thus? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, Lo, These three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Let it alone, sir, this year also, till I dig about it and put on manure. And if it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. Archbishop, what's the message of this gospel for today? Well, just one thing to get out of the way. There is a kind of obscure passage here about... Uh, these Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with the blood of their sacrifices. Uh, Scripture scholars are not quite sure what that refers to. It it obviously refers to something that had happened in public life at the time. Um, Or another thing that happened was a kind of disaster that a a building fell down, it collapsed, and and, uh, 18 people were killed. And people are asking about the meaning of these things. Uh, And Jesus said, well, you think that they... Uh, they suffered badly, but he says, I tell you, if you do not repent, you will perish as they did. Um, And this is, you know, again, this is the Jesus we need to listen to. Jesus is not just about being sweet and and nice all the time. Yes, Jesus is the good shepherd. Uh, He he loves us. But, you know, tough love is uh, uh, absolutely essential. Uh, You know, a parent who lets their child do whatever they want and indulges them uh, is and doesn't discipline them or teach them is certainly not a loving parent. And similarly, Christ is saying, look, uh, you know, I came to call sinners to repentance. Repent or you're going to perish. That's what he says. And today, sadly, you know, people, a lot of people don't think they have anything to be sorry for, that they have, you know, oh, they have their faults, but don't we all and all that kind of stuff. But the bottom line is that a saint is a repentant sinner. Uh, that's what we have to become saints by acknowledging our sins, confessing our sins, and then doing penance for our sins, not by going around moaning and moping, but by living a life of faith, hope, and charity. So uh, this is a strong Lenten message. You know, Jesus says uh, about the, the fig tree, leave it and, and see it and fertilize it and see what happens. But if it doesn't bear fruit, it's going to be cut down. The four last things are, are uh, death, judgment, hell, and heaven. 
and the, uh, eternity. That's that's. So we have to we have to be realistic here about where, and ask ourselves where our life is headed, and turn to the mercy that Jesus came to bring us through His death and resurrection. So is is the the story about the fig tree telling us that we now have a chance? We now have a chance to repent. We now have a chance to bear fruit. So change your life around. Come around. Change your life. Do what you need to do to bear fruit. That's right. And Jesus says, you know, you're going to get fertilized to bear good fruit. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we have to go through a lot of fertilizer in life uh, to bear good fruit. Uh, And uh, so, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, the the, the hard things and the difficult things, we have to put up with, uh, we have to do good and we have to bear our cross uh, for evil. You know, Jesus says, or St. Paul says, it's only through many trials that we come to the kingdom of God. So we can't expect just an easy, comfortable life. Uh, we We have to be willing to bear our cross. Let's uh, take a look at some of the questions that have been submitted by our listeners. For instance, Seth from Weathersfield says, Can I present my parish priests some mass stipends for the repose of the souls of non-Catholics? Or are masses only celebrated for Catholics? Seth, that's a good question. Uh, Yes, you can have mass offered for uh, the repose of the soul of uh, those who uh, are uh, for Christians who are not Catholic. Um, that would be uh, entirely uh, uh, acceptable. Nicole from Meriden says, My first child was born six months ago. Now I am wondering, at what age should I be introducing him to the Catholic Church? Because of his age, I do not believe that he is required to attend Sunday Mass. Having said that, when is the right time? Oh, yes, Nicole. Well, first of all, congratulations on the birth of uh, your your child. Uh, Six months ago, well, you know, I would... um, I would uh, defer to the wisdom of Catholic uh, mothers, uh, and I'm sure you, Nicole, you must know, uh, have friends or your, of your age group or, or older who, who could give you some advice, but know that uh, the um, attending Sunday Mass is certainly not required of a child of that age. In fact, until you get to, to really the age of reason, to what the Church calls age of reason, seven, uh, that, that's kind of an important transition because, you know, with First Communion and all, before, I'm not saying you have to wait that long, but, uh, you know, I always have to laugh at the, the story of the, the, one of the late archbishops of New Orleans, uh, Archbishop Hannon. I went to his 25th, or no, was it his 50th anniversary down in New Orleans with two other archbishops who were having their anniversaries together. And he was the preacher. And he said, when, he grew up in Washington, D.C., and he said when he was a little boy, his, he had a couple of brothers, and uh, he starts saying on Sunday morning, well, you all go to church. When am I going to start going to church? When can I go? And his older brother looked at him and said, you little dummy, don't you know once you start going, you can never stop? <laughs> I got such a kick out of that. But it is true is cute, that yeah. you, um, you know, at, at, a, at a certain appropriate time. But the main thing I think is, and again, I'm no expert on this, but there are a lot of good resources of how you introduce an infant uh, into religious practice. And of course, the, the, the number one absolute way is by the good example and spiritual life of the mother and father. You know, I mean, I grew up in a household where from the first time I looked around the room with my eyes, there would have been in the bedroom a picture of the Sacred Heart of Jesus and where on Sunday morning everybody went to church. You know what I mean? Yes. Little children, they all pick this up. They all see this from a tender age. And, and, and so, no, you don't have, there's no one particular time for starting to go to Mass but uh, for a little infant. But uh, you can learn a lot from, from good Catholic parents. 
I think my parents had that same picture. Is that the one that was looking straight at you so that when you moved across the room, it looked as if its eyes were following you? No, we didn't have such uh, remarkable things in Detroit. <laughs> but your point is, is well taken. Um, certainly, one's faith is learned and developed and grows within the context of the, the family unit. Yeah, I mean, people speak poetically of receiving the faith with their mother's milk. I mean, in the sense that it just kind of is by osmosis through the living this so close to your mother and, and, your, and, and or your father and, and, and just receiving this. Kurt from Southbury says, I hear you'll be speaking at the Connecticut March for Life this coming Wednesday. Do you think the march is a great opportunity for pro-lifers to make their voices heard in Hartford? What do you plan to touch on during your speech? Well, uh, Kurt, I'm going to make some remarks. Uh, I haven't, I don't know, I haven't written it yet. Uh, I, I'm going to say something, but I, I don't think I'm the only speaker. I have to look at the program. Uh, of course, I've attended so many of these marches over the years, particularly in Washington. Of course, it's a great opportunity. Uh, that's why we're doing it. Uh, this is at the initiative of the Connecticut Catholic Conference. Uh, Mr. Chris Healy is uh, the uh, leader of that. He's been, been very good. It's not just a Catholic event, of course, others as well. So both of us will have to stay tuned to what I say on, on Wednesday, but we certainly are hoping for a really good turnout and for good weather and, and uh, for that it be spiritually and fruitful socially for, for our country. Meredith from Burlington says the World Health Organization has called for the complete decriminalization of abortion worldwide. The updated guidance offers recommendations for improved abortion care for women and girls, including telemedicine abortions. The World Health Organization contended in the new guidance that placing restrictions on abortion access results in unsafe abortions. If barriers to abortion access are removed, what will this mean for the world and pro-life movement? Well, Meredith, you raise a very good question that we are uh, attentive to, and that is that if this comes about, we have to redouble the efforts that we're already making, not just to say that abortion is wrong, but to provide assistance, support, and care to women who are in difficult situations. You know, our own Catholic Church here in the United States has this big Walking with Moms program that is uh, extremely important. We want to offer support to women in, in those situations. The Church has never just said that we're opposed to abortion. We've also wanted to promote everything we can to help women in that kind of situation and with their pregnancy. Uh, you know, all these pregnancy aid centers, one thinks of all the kinds of things they do to help women in that situation. And uh, similarly, uh, here uh, with this change, we, we're going to have to redouble our efforts. Uh, if, in fact, uh, in Connecticut, there there are fewer opportunities uh, for uh, abortion or it's restricted uh, in some uh, as a result of, of what the Supreme Court might decide. I mean, all of this remains to be seen. And, it, it, you know, the Supreme Court has not spoken. And, and you know that this doesn't outlaw abortion. It simply says that the states uh, and the actual the people of the United States have the ability to regulate abortion or to outlaw it. Because um, up till now, no one can challenge it because it's said to be, you know, a, a constitutional right. That you, that so, how can anybody do anything? But uh, but but this this would simply open up the possibility for people to place restrictions on it or to uh, to uh, legislate about it in some way. So there's going to be all kinds of things happening across the country, very different in different states. And then and again, all of this is predicated on the notion that the Supreme Court is going to change the status quo. 
But that's not at all uh, been announced. We have to wait and see what happens. Let's see if we can't answer this other question that is on a similar vein. Archbishop Gene from Naugatuck says, A report released on February 24th shows that more than half of U.S. abortions are now done with pills rather than surgery. So far this year, 16 state legislatures have proposed bans or restrictions on medication abortion. What are your thoughts on this report and the ease in which women can have an abortion? What, what is at stake here? You know, what is at stake in the life of the unborn child? What's at stake in the life of the expectant mother? What's at stake in the life of a, of a, a young girl who gets pregnant? And do her parents have anything to say about this? Uh, you know, the extreme abortion people would say that nobody has has any right to, to know anything about any of this stuff. Even parents don't need to be... A nurse in a, in a school can't give an aspirin to a, a kid without letting the parents know, but parents are not notified if the if the girl gets an abortion. Well, yeah. the, I mean, is this reasonable? Is this is this uh, really the, the right way to go? Archbishop, we've come to the end of our time. Can you close the program with a prayer and a blessing, please? Lord, during this Lenten season, our hearts ache because of our sins, because we know that we are not always following the path of holiness that you call us to. And we are you are just and merciful. And we ask you to help us to open our eyes so that we may truly recognize our need for repentance. And by our prayer and fasting and charity, we may change our lives for the better. And we pray with all our hearts for the suffering people of Ukraine, that the violence and injustice being perpetrated upon them may come to an end. Uh, and that all peoples, whether Ukrainian, Russian, or any others may be, be have always a change of heart that leads them to follow the paths of peace. And we ask this in a special way through the intercession of Mary, our mother, who at the Annunciation said yes to your divine will, and who at Fatima asked us to pray for peace. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Archbishop, thank you for inviting us into the Archbishop's Corner. We look forward to joining you again next week. Until then... Have a safe and happy week. Thank you, you too.